This is Alpha Geek Radio. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Today, on Casually Hardcore, Dax's own personal nerd squee. Leonard Nimoy, thanks for the memories. We question whether or not GTA 5 even wants to be on the PC. Tier 2, The Wrath of Comcast. New Alien Movie adopts the Superman Returns model. Spectate Faker, confusing events leads to an important discussions. This, TV, and more on this episode of Casually Hardcore. I don't like this place. Alive, it's alive, it's alive! Do not panic, ladies and gentlemen. The casuals are here, and we are taking control. This is Casually Hardcore, live on alphageekradio.com. For Sunday, the 1st of March, a new month already, 2015. This is Casually Hardcore, and I am Gnome Wise. I am Dexa. And I'm Grail. Welcome to our little corner of the interwebs. And for some reason, I was really quiet, but I fixed that now. For Who's the quiet? For, the, for me. For the podcast listener, no time will have passed. Ha-ha. Ooh, ha-ha. Hee-hee. To the happy home. <laughs> but I digress. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. Mm-hmm. Out of the gates. Dexa. Mm-hmm. Yes. You had something of um, an adventure last weekend. I did. I had quite the adventure last weekend. Do tell. Um, so my thing is, um, I, there's a lot of conventions, tons and tons of conventions. And we've, done a, we've covered a lot of conventions for people. And this is the first convention I've ever gone to, this, which is a supernatural convention, that I've gone to just as a fan. Nothing but just going to enjoy myself as a fan. Although, you know, during PAX, I enjoy myself immensely, but I'm always there thinking of things and, and what I would like to bring back to um, listeners and what they'd like me to see so I can at least have some sort of opinion. But this one, it was just strictly fan. Me and that's it. And I went by myself, which is, you know, another thing I don't tend to do is just, go, <laughs> just randomly go to a con all by myself. But as it turns out, there was a lot of people there that had gone by themselves, especially the ones in um, seated in, in the first row in gold where I was, because it's quite the expensive affair. I mean, yeah, it puts a little strain on your wallet, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, however, I it is a really, really great concept. So Creation Entertainment, who puts these on, and they do um, Vampire Diaries, and they do um, Star Trek, and they do Xena, and they do a bunch of other ones also. So if you're into any fandom, um, they do have several across the country that they do. Supernatural does 14 a year across the country. Damn. Yeah, and this was the first time they actually came to Phoenix, and um, they said that this was the largest first-time crowd they had ever had. So you're not alone in your fandom is what you're saying. No, and actually a lot of those people weren't from Phoenix. 
so when I when I got there, I met uh, I met a lot of great girls the entire time I was there. But because um, it was you know like ninety eight percent female. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for you guys who want to hook up with some girls, let me tell you, Supernatural Con is the way to go. Fresh You'll up be on... one of like six men there. Fresh up on your Supernatural. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My goodness. Don't want to be a poser. So, so there was right. actually a lot of people from all over the country. Some of the girls I met were from Austin, Virginia, um, one from San Francisco. So they were all over the place, but it was so much fun and they have a really good whoever organizes it is amazing they have a really good timetable that goes on i mean you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars i mean obviously you've already spent quite a bit just to get there if you if you've done the gold package but they have like a vip package where you get to be um in the green room with most of the stars throughout the entire weekend um when you have to bid for that and i think the vip packages in arizona went for what they considered cheap and it was like a thousand dollars cheap yeah that's cheap All according to them I guess. um but then there's like photo ops and you know i got a couple had to get one with my man misha so got one with misha surprise 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 <laughs> <laughs> i didn't do jared or jensen though but i did get one with misha and and with richard um spate who Happens to be a really great MC. He MCs the entire thing, um, and he's he's a really good MC. And then Sebastian, because he kept stealing my camera during karaoke and doing crazy things with it. <laughs> so I've got all this video of my camera going down people's pants and up people's shirts. Awesome. Yeah, mostly the actors, which is great. <laughs> Even though, um, <laughs> but it was the the organization was amazing the way they did it. Um, they had the the photo ops in between a, a lot of the big panels. So while they were doing the extra things like, you know, the trivia contests and like the custom contests, they would have the really big photo ops. So you wouldn't be missing any really major panels if you were doing your photo ops. And then they also had, of course, they sold autographs and they sold meet and greets, which was actually really cool where you got to sit down for 45 minutes with one of your, you know, whoever you purchased the meet and greet with. Um, didn't do Misha. He was sold out before I even got there, which was crazy. And his was expensive. Um, but they, you know, the meet and greets, you get to sit down with the star. They let you know that they don't want you tweeting or posting about what you talk about in there because the stars do get kind of personal and talk about their home lives and stuff. And some of them don't really want that to get out. Mm -hmm. But and then they take a picture with you afterwards and you really feel and everyone all all the people who attended this, everyone who was, you know, all the actors and celebrities who came to it were super nice, like just amazing people all around. It was a really good time. I highly recommend you. If you're a big Supernatural fan, you should attend one of these. It's a lot of fun. I highly recommend picking one up. <laughs> it, it, it is quite choice. It is so choice. <laughs> but I will say that once you go gold... It would be really hard to not be in that front row once you've done it once. Mm -hmm. So once you go gold, baby. Yeah, it's really difficult, but um, it was it was a blast. I made some great friends. I've even made plans to hang out with some of the girls that I've met. Um, and like I said, the celebrities were amazing. Um, what is oh my gosh, Tamo, Tamo who plays Pinkett? Yes. Who's been in a million things, yes. especially Dollhouse, which he was amazing at. Mm -hmm. 
I got to talk to him for quite a while while he was signing my autograph, and I was telling him he should come to Phoenix Comic Con because, you know, Jim Beaver's going to be there. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I didn't even know you guys had a Comic Con. That oh, actually sounds really interesting. Yes. <laughs> so I was planting some seeds, but yeah, I'm going to have to say I had a, everybody was great. I got to talk to every single one of them, and I had a pretty decent conversation with all of them except Jensen because I totally froze. <laughs> I completely froze when it was time to talk to him. I was just like, uh, Dear thanks for coming. Oh, hi. I, I need to pee. I just didn't know what to talk to him about. So, I mean, Jared at least was a cowboy fan, but him, it was like, um, I mean, what are you going to tell him? You're pretty? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I love you. You're pretty. Your face, it pleases me. It pleases me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But yeah, it was a good time. I, I've always said that PAX does an amazing amazing job putting their um, con together for the fans. And they do. They do an amazing, amazing job. This is just more concentrated of what PAX does. So what PAX does, um, Creation Entertainment takes it to a different level. Gotcha. Because they have Friday night karaoke where the fans get up on stage with the celebrities and get to sing. Um, I didn't get picked, but I got some great footage of them up there. Um, and then they have the Saturday night concert, which um, Rob Benedict is the lead singer of um, Loden Swain. And they're a great band. And then they have all these stars come in and sing a song with them. So it makes it even better. It's it's a good time. It's quite, quite fun. Um, I got about four hours of sleep on average. And I actually <laughs> stayed downtown because there was no way I was going to drive home. Yep. Hmm. But, so you, even yeah, though it was in your hometown, you still got a hotel room because you wanted to do it right. Exactly. It was good. Clearly, you are doing it right. Absolutely. Oh, and I did post a lot of things to YouTube. I sent out a tweet with the link earlier. Um, it's a lot to upload. So I've only uploaded the concert and the karaoke. I'll start doing some of the panels later. But whoa, lots to upload. Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes on Twitter. Yeah, see, I thought about all the listeners, even though I was actually there for myself. Yep. <laughs> Always looking out for our best interests. Exactly. That's why we love you so much. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was kind of good, I guess. Is the that's how you sum sum that one up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was there. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know how to amazing. Ah, poor Misha. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah. I have no comment on the on the topic. He's adorable. Say it. He's totes adorbs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> happy now yeah okay <laughs> never make me say that again okay maybe moving forward ever ever forward uh television this week so uh, our newest two episodes to pass out of the gilligan shielding for arrow and flash on flash we got part two of the pilot episode of the firestorm show that will inevitably come into being about a year from now yeah. Because if yes. that wasn't a backdoor pilot, I don't know what was. Yeah, I mean, that might as well have been the pilot. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It was a two-part arc of his origin, yeah. basically. And so, so this was this was picking up with the earth-shattering kaboom that we left off with uh, last episode. <laughs> uh, what? You, you don't like I when I get my Marvin, my Marvin Martian on? There is supposed to be a kaboom. An earth-shattering kaboom. Exactly. 
my, uh, my Iridium X38 space modulator. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, big boom, uh, flash, and... Big bada boom. Yeah, bada, ba, big bada, big boom. <laughs> yep. Uh, flash and Dr. Short Skirts uh, running away very, very fast, and then return to find... Uh, uh, part A and Part B have, in fact, uh, been successfully separated. And yeah. magically, because sci-fi, uh, it was a non-radiation uh, fission explosion. Yeah. Yes, of course. And, I mean, I'm glad at least they pointed it out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, they um, did it. Yeah. So at least they gave you. So they didn't just say, oh, yeah, okay, well, it cooled off and we went back and yeah. everything's hunky-dory. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, you know, 30 miles from a major population center. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you yeah. say Chernobyl? We have uh, a few more mutants running around. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> not this kind, though. Not, not the cool kind, <laughs> not though, cool unfortunately. Kind. Not the good kind, no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is basically, you know, the whole thing is a kind of a tr transparent setup for establishing what Firestorm is, the, the binary being where the younger guy is the body, and then has the advisor of the sage professor in his head, which is what all this firestorm has always been. Yes, with right. the super duper uh, nuclear powers. Right, because um, it's you know it's firestorm, the nuclear man. Dun dun dun. Um, and they end you know the episode on the really tropey. I've got to go away to keep you safe. Yeah. Yes. The evil military is gonna still is gonna come looking for me. Yeah. That was, that was weak. I mean, I'll give the episode props. I think it was nice to also see the the character of the doctor, the older doctor, separated out, so you actually got to know him more. Yeah. So uh, less, less, a little bit less of an ass. Yeah. Yes. And you got at least an idea of what it was. And they then set it up also for when, of course, they inevitably have to reform together. Mm -hmm. uh, they do it correctly this time. And they're much more in sync now with each other instead of before where it was kind of driving them nuts. Yeah. I mean, I mean curiously, Dr. Evil Pants knows exactly what to tell them about how the, what their attitude should be when they remerge. Almost as if he's already known Firestorm in some previous life. Right. Uh huh. Um, so he <laughs> advises them to to not resist the merging because they're being attracted to each other um, because of what happened to them. Uh, and this time, it's no longer uh, old professor's psyche dominating younger guy and controlling the body. Yes, they are partnership wise, and even you know they have the the doctor looking out for the interests and, and advising and then, again it's straight into the core of the firestorm superhero yeah. right which leaves young guy less cranky about it yes and they're able to will themselves separate again yeah at the end i kind of expected though and this is just because i watched too much anime when i was a younger <laughs> self like the, for them to do the whole dragon ball z like fusion power where they like oh, touch they their fingers yeah. like, that was how i expected <laughs> them to join i was actually <laughs> waiting for that too yeah fusion ha <laughs> <laughs> two little fingers yeah. <laughs> this is me uh -huh. not touching that uh, we've been together way too yeah. long <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Once once you've seen that, that there is no other way for things to fuse. Of course, that's the way all things just fuse at all times. Yeah. So, 
Then we got Dr. Evil General, or I guess Dr. General, or General Evil. I don't know, well, whatever we want to call Clancy's character. I liked Clancy's character, General Evil Pants. General, uh, General Evil, Pants. Evil Pants. There okay. we go. Uh, because he was a competent antagonist. Yeah. Yes. And they have a good thing that they show when, uh, after he has recaptured Firestorm, or at least captured half of Firestorm, mm-hmm. the, the older doctor, uh, Flash goes to rescue and gets jacked, basically. Yeah, he gets jacked um, twice by this guy yeah. across the, the two-episode arc. He's got right. the uh, super spiky bomb. Uh, Grail, take your, take your uh, volume knob down slightly. Um, super... Attracted to kinetic energy spikes that uh, turn Barry into a porcupine, and what was the other, the other weapon was uh, phosphorus of some kind that yeah yeah some to, sort of burning agent yeah he had to run super fast in a circle to starve it of oxygen so it wouldn't uh, right burn him to death right so the uh, evil army has been observing things and preparing and, and are, are fully prepared to deal with metahumans and specifically have developed countermeasures to the Flash. Um, so it's interesting yeah. to know that that's going on in the background. We Likely not the last we've seen of, of the army out to deal with metahumans. However, it yeah. may be the last we've seen of General Evil Pants. Well, exactly. yes. Let's talk about that little coda they put on the end of the episode. Yeah. So, it had a couple of remarkable things in it. It had our first instance of uh, Dr. Evil Pants in full reverse flash mode, using speed force powers, and yes. revealing himself to be wearing the reverse flash outfit. So, theories that you know some other, someone else was occupying the suit, kind of out the window at this point. Um, mm. and theories that he doesn't have full speed powers called into question, or if he's, you know, keeping them in reserve for some, by some mechanism, he felt the need to utilize them in this case to, uh, revenge himself upon general evil pants. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, speed forces his way into the government compound, grabs general evil pants and takes them to the sewer where we have previously seen, Gorilla Grodd is hanging out. Uh, there's, there have been hints and implications dropped earlier that the General and Grodd have a not pleasant history uh, together that Dr. Evil Pants saved Grodd from. A um, little bit of dialogue between General Evil Pants and Dr. Evil Pants of, you're, you know, you're one of them, you're one of those metahumans, and the doctor responding with, and we watch out for our own. We take care of our own. And the uh, reveal that rather than spend lots of money on CG to make Gorilla Grodd look convincing when speaking English, surprise, surprise, they've instead decided to make him telepathic. Yeah. So he projects his thoughts into the general's mind. So that way they don't have to animate the face and I kind of saw that coming. I'm like, I bet you that's what. Yeah. Oh, look, they made him a telepath. What a what a surprise! And the budget just plummeted. Well, cause it's weird. <laughs> I just can't get over the gorilla thing. I mean, I know this is. Have for, you not you seen know, Planet of the Apes? Yeah, but I also thought that was weird. 
their faces were always weird. Well, it, I just don't get to be, it. It's supposed to be off-putting because they're not human. Um, <laughs> okay, then. See, your dog agrees with yeah, me. Apparently, he, it's he, weird. He, he sides with Daxa. Um, <laughs> but again, I mean, one of the downfalls of, you know, villainous characters is why does he take his mask off? Because he knows the, the general is about to be imminently dead. No, you don't know that. Oh, yes, it's, he, never he, for, it's he, not he, for sure he, until he's dead. He delivered him to Grodd's lair. He knows so? he's about to be general puree. Monkey yeah. could have taken him as a pet. You never know. No. All I'm saying is you don't show your face to the guy that you're supposed to be fighting. No, he knew that he was about to be pureed. Because Grodd has a deep and abiding hatred of his torturer, which the implication was that he had, that General Evil Pants had, had tortured and tormented Grodd when he was a captive. And so he may have even arranged this ahead of time with Grodd to yeah. come in and say, I, I will bring you the general so that you may make him all dead. Oh, and, well, yeah, but what if Grodd wants to keep him around and toy with him a while, just like he was toyed with? Yeah, but that's I'm not, just saying, that's when I become not how an it turned villain, out. <laughs> I will not make that mistake. <laughs> this ain't happening. <laughs> Daxa has thoroughly read the When I'm an Evil uh, Overlord. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I will have a seven-year-old child on my staff to point out all obvious flaws in my plans. Right. Exactly. So, yes, they have the, the continuing uh, breadcrumb trail of Gorilla Grodd for the future, but also significant reveals as to um, Dr. Evil Pants' dual identity as a speedster and specifically... The reverse flash in full costume regalia this time. So we'll see where they where they where they take that one in the future. So they're they're obviously building towards uh, the big. I'm assuming the big climax this season will be you know the the time the fight through time that results in you know Barry being there in his own past. Yeah, this, I would think that's what they're they're aiming for. Yeah. Though you know now that was the other kind of. I guess arc that went through this of Barry being very despondent about the fact that he is now shown to be there as an adult, right. and he took it like, "Well, I failed. I've already, so, I've already tried and failed. Yeah. Exactly. So there's nothing really I can do." To him, eventually getting to the point of maybe I can do something different now. Now that I know about right. it, I'm not going to make the same mistakes that I see in the uh, super 3D holograph that Cisco put together. Right. It's a matter <laughs> of, you know, we don't know if we're living in the predestination time travel universe right. or the malleable alternate realities time yeah. travel rules. And we don't know what the writers have decided upon. So either he's already predestined and no, no matter what he does, it will turn out the way it always has. Or... He has a chance to uh, create an alternate reality. We'll see. Yeah, that's 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 the storytelling they're using to keep us interested. Because like, hmm, I don't know which are they going to go for. Yeah, It'd be interesting if they come up with some kind of weird third uh, third outcome that no one's ever really thought of before. That that's I don't it's hard to because that's original storytelling and television's not big on that. But no, I hope they surprise me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. They're Flash definitely, and it's. I think it's also because we keep watching Flash and Arrow together. Yeah, Flash sticks to story tropes a lot more than Arrow does. Yes. So, yeah. or at least they stick to the very classic version. They're very of it. obvious. Arrow maybe takes a classic one, but then twists it enough that it keeps it fresh. So, it's. But I mean, like I said, I think this was a good two part thing that they did with Firestorm. Well, yeah. I thought it was a very good story arc. That they, I get, I'm they, glad they didn't rush it. Yeah. 
Um, the payoff was a little muted by the fact that he doesn't get to reunite with his fiance long term. Right. Um, but she and, and it, it was a you know little convenient. Like we're, I like the fact that they're not keeping the um, cast crowded with metahumans. They're they're saying, yeah. okay, we've introduced you. We we have plans for you in future stories. So we need you to exist, but we want you to go away for now. Right. Right. Because we've got quite enough already here. Yeah, exactly. and I mean they keep obviously developing the Flash and and showing. I mean he's the name of the show is the Flash, so it's really about him developing exactly. his powers. I didn't like the fact that then they took. Uh, I mean that kind of puts Caitlin's character kind of back in the box though, yeah. right? Where now she knows her fiance is alive, so she's happier. But at the same time, there there's no real growth there other than her pining then for him to come back at some point. We'll, we'll see what they do with her in future episodes yeah. as far as making her less of a mopey... Or just wooden character. Right, I guess. Mm-hmm. just going through yeah. the motions. Absolutely. But I, I totally buy the woodenness of recovering from emotional sure. devastation. Great. Absolutely. So now that that has been dealt with, I'm hoping that she'll be a little bit more of an animated character yeah. who, who cares. Something will happen. Um, so moving over to Arrow. Yeah. Um, kind of interesting in a, a week during which we lost uh, Leonard Nimoy that they would basically have an episode that is the Wrath of Khan. <laughs> yeah. Because that's Pretty essentially much. what this episode is. Well, uh, it we, could be called that. It could also be called Arrow, Malcolm Merlin is a dick. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Whoa. But, but I mean, if if Slade was not channeling Khan in the in his his soliloquies in this thing i have no idea what else he was thinking because he, oh, sure. he might as well have been saying i'm going i will leave you as you left me as you left her like, oh, i was almost word for word um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damn uh but yeah it's basically you know the 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 young brother half sister combo meal going back to the island for training purposes and malcolm says i don't get why they go back to the island constantly they can't find a nice place to train somewhere this else. island is hardcore. Well, the, they, they know that the city is infested with agents of uh, the people they're trying to avoid. And so they went somewhere where they thought it would be more difficult for the bad guys to guess they might ever go there. It's like, why would he go back there when he spent so much time trying to escape from there? Right. Apparently, he didn't spend any time there at all. Just, well, the, just that uh, first two years. A uh, couple of years. Yeah. Um, who knows if they're not going to like put him back there before they're done? Uh, oh, I'm sure. Well, yeah, that's where he gets picked up at true. the so, yeah, yeah. Uh, some start of the show. So yeah, something he gets will contrive to get him back there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So whole contrivance of things to basically pit the siblings against Slade on the island, right? To test them and and you know force them to to become killers essentially. More, more importantly, to force. Um, Okay, I'm missing her name. Thea. Uh, Thea to yeah. become a conscious killer instead of a drug-addled, uh, controlled killer. <laughs> drug-addled. Right. You make her sound like she, she was sniffing coke on yeah. the side. Uh, well, she totally was a drug addict earlier in the series. So it, well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, she did kill Black Canary because she was like a drug you know, addict. Hopped she up was... on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> she she wow. did get kind of like drugged into it, like by her father. So controlling drug, yeah. yes. Right. <laughs> so, which again proves the whole name of the episode: yeah. the return. Yeah. 
So. Oh, I was thinking more uh, Grail's name. Malcolm for the Merlin's a dick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's this. <laughs> I have a hard time getting past this. The improbability of this Argus prison on this island. Right. Yes. So one dude there guarding it, and Slade leaves them there, like he's leaving them there to die. Right. Like, a resupply mission is never going to come. Nobody's going to notice that Bob on the island hasn't checked in in three days. Right. It's like he, It was such an empty threat. Well, see, and I'm just curious about this, and maybe I just missed it, and, and I didn't look close enough at the guy's, what the guy was wearing, but was he actually a Argus uniform yeah. guy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, Slade the one that, was wearing the his, that died? Yeah. yeah. Slade, Slade he was, wearing was wearing Argus his jacket. Argus on his and, okay. Had Argus right on the, on the lapel. So, I mean, I, so I guess in this case, Slade, I mean, I don't know if he thought they were going to die, but at the very least, he knew he could get away. a little while before somebody figured out what was what had happened to him. And Slade would escape in the meantime. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's and that really goes back to what I what I am sure is the source material for this is if you look at Wrath of Khan, when Khan abandons Kirk on regular one. Mm hmm. They're going to notice that they haven't heard from the ship is going to come and rescue him. This is not a problem except for, you know, the risk to losing the Enterprise. But you're not killing Kirk by leaving him there. It was, it was such a weird. Yeah. And, and have, you know, Kirk re respond with the classic con. Like he was actually was doing something bad to him. It's like, I have life support, food, water, companionship, and working communicators. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you bastard! Yeah, you bastard! It's like, it, it was the and the same exactly the same in this episode. Great, you're leaving me in a prison where in less than a week probably someone is going to notice that there's a, a problem and send help. Yeah, it well, yeah, well, it definitely wasn't the end of the world. But I mean, you also have to figure Slade at the end of last season. He did have the cure given to him for the Murakuru, right? Or or forced on him, right? So he wasn't quite as batshit crazy up. any longer. <laughs> he was right. only a little crazy. Yeah. So maybe at this point he settled down into the I'm going to. But he also really also he, he was more saying to Oliver like, Hey, what was the name of that girl you like so much? I'm going to go pay her a visit. Maybe you'll get out of here in a week, but right. I bet you I can get done with what I need to do because he was still bent on, I don't want to kill you, Oliver. I want to kill everyone you love. Right. Right. And and basically make you, ins you know, drive you mad with grief. So still yeah. crazy. So, you know, that was his take Framed. on it. So I don't think he was yeah. trying to kill Oliver okay. here at all. He was just saying, I'm going to just put you out of the game for a little mm -hmm. bit, and then I'm going to tell you I'm going to go back to your city and start bumping off more people that you like. Exactly. And you'll never get there in time. So, yeah, frame for Framed that way, um, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But, of course, uh, through various limb dislocations yeah. and <laughs> jiggery-pokery, they're able to escape in time to stop him leaving the island and, and put him back in his hole. Yeah. Yes. I love the fact that Argus makes prisons for men. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We will never hold a woman here. We'll never hold a woman there. Not that, you know, yeah. the assassins were... Women, the at least some of the head yeah. assassins, but kinda, whatever. Kind of silly. It was a bit of a reach, yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, hey! I didn't even realize what I was doing there. Yeah. So, it so was, it was, and then it was we a, had the the flashbacks. Still, we're dealing with uh, Oliver actually returning back to Starling City while he was supposedly dead. Right. 
uh, infiltrating his company to find the name of some buyer of terrorist goods that worked there. Uh, he got to see Thea in the midst of her I'm buying drugs a lot phase. Right. And his old buddy uh, Tommy was around. and But it actually does show him go to a party and flat out murder a drug dealer. Yes, flat out murder. <laughs> to, no. to, to cover his own trail. Because, well, he was told outright, if, if anyone sees you, oh, yeah. we will kill everyone who has seen you or might have seen you. Right. And that means, well, my sister's at this party and she might have said, I need to make this guy dead. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm going to threaten him. Oh, you recognize me? Now you die. Now you die. Yeah. And, and, it, and it continues to to develop him along the direction into the way we found him at the beginning right. of the series. Right. Totally willing to be vigilante, totally willing to kill without remorse. Um, this is him ramping up to that. Yeah. So it's, it's this weird reverse, you know, storytelling from two directions that they continue to do pretty well on this show. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So good, good job of devolving the, him and then, you know, evolving the character at the same time. Yep. Uh, and the other big reveal is they finally, he finally gets to the point where he has to tell Thea that she did, in fact, uh, kill Black Canary or Sarah under drug. That, under under well, Malcolm's he, control, specifically. Uh, under Malcolm's control. And. By the time they deal with Slade and get back off the island, back to the city, uh, you know, they she confronts Malcolm at that point and lets him know that she knows. And, you know, she, now she delivers a pretty badass speech yeah. to him. Uh, and it's, it's made me I'm, I'm warming up to the Thea character more and more. I used to really detest her. Um, and yeah. I'm still not cuddling up to her yet, but she's, I am more tolerant of her screen time now. <laughs> I'm still not liking Lauren. I think Lauren is still my... Laurel. My, yeah. Uh-huh. Laurel, you mean. Laurel. Yeah. yeah, Laurel. No, yeah, I mean, I think there's two things. One, I liked what they've done with Thea, especially since she went off with Malcolm and then her return. She's been a much better character. And now also she's no longer the, I'm the, you know, normal part of Oliver's life. And so I'm always going to be the one who he has to figure out ways of lying to or uh, always in that same mode. So now she's kind of aware of what's going on. So she's become a more interesting character. Secondly, yeah, Laurel is so bad that Thea looks great compared to her. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Thea screen time over Laurel's screen time any day right now. Especially all this next episode. This next episode oh, is wow, it's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> wow, still under the Gilligan period. Oh, yeah, yep. we won't talk That's about what I'm it. Saying. But I don't think saying Laurel it. sucks. It doesn't. It's much of a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways, so you have that, but yeah, she does uh, basically tell Malcolm, like, I'll work with you, I'll do everything, but I'm never going to be your daughter again, and, you know, really is uh, not too favorable with him. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, and yeah, this next episode, can't wait to talk about that, but yeah, yeah. that's definitely... Um, next week. Yep. Next week. So, But good, good, both of them were yeah. good episodes. So very, very, I'd say I'd like to flash a little bit better, but both solid mid-season yeah. episodes carrying their various stories forward. Mm -hmm. um, DC you know, continues. It, it, they must be doing something right if they can get me past the whole CW pretty people thing. Yeah. Because that's still, that's still there in force. Oh, yeah. There's nothing but young, beautiful people in expensive, high-fashion clothing. Yeah. Um, oh, we, we didn't... Uh, the other B story on uh, Arrow... Um, or is, am I leaping ahead a week there? With, what are you uh, thinking of? The boss and uh, that's that's, that's this next, yeah, that's this one. Yeah. Okay, that's got, Gilligan. Got that's that's yep. still Gilligan. Um, mm. 
So they, 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 they still have my interest, despite all the things that would normally drive drive me away. So good, good on you, CW. Keep it up. Yeah. All right, moving forward. As we alluded to earlier, uh, this last week we lost Leonard Nimoy uh, at age 83. Um, he did live long and he did prosper. And we shall miss you. Um, lots of uh, very nice heartfelt testimonials flying around the interwebs. Um, I took some time to go, go watch some of his uh, work uh, in the days following uh, his death. Mm-hmm. And... You know, made the mistake of, of watching the end of Wrath of Khan. Oh, and, and the okay, he's really dead now, and this has yeah. uh, octupled the impact of this scene. And I'm a wreck. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is it? This is a good demonstration of someone who can attain that weird level of fame when you become a cultural icon. Or right. a character you have created becomes a cultural icon, and there aren't a lot of those. I mean, you, you, the, you know, the Darth Vaders of the world that have penetrated deeply into our cultural identity. When someone, when it's, you know, when someone says Darth Vader, you know, dark, evil, bad guy. <gasps> no, anyway. Um, but same way, you can just make a general Spock reference, and someone knows what you're referring to. Coldly logical, unemotional, you know, human computer type guy, and to have nearly everyone in your culture understand that. You know, that that's a a rarefied place to be. Um, and you can look back over the course of his career and his life, where he kind of struggled with that, and you even wrote a book, "I Am Not Spock," right? Um, earlier in his career, and then later wrote a book saying, "I Am Spock," more <laughs> the more accepting of uh, you know what had happened to you know where the character he had cre- created was kind of taken out of his control and became this other thing right um but attaining that level of fame and cultural icon and still coming out the other end a decent human being yeah because we've seen so many horror stories of the the hollywood machine taking people and destroying them where they either kill themselves or adopt a lifestyle that kills them or just become despicable people, um, become you know, full of themselves and begin believing their own press and feeling they truly are superior to the average person and start treating their own fans who got them there like dirt. We see no shortage of those kinds of stories. Number one, because they make uh, good headlines that get lots of clicks, but also that happens with disturbing frequency in the entertainment industry is that that does weird things to people. And we didn't see that happen with Leonard Nimoy. He's pretty much ended his career and his life as he began it as just a good actor and a decent human being. We need more like that. Yeah. And less like the headline grabbers who do stupid, silly things and are, are not good people. So, we can mourn his passing and hope that uh, lots of people in the industry and out just learn from his example. Um, but I am I am, was was very sad. It, it was made me makes you feel your mortality, makes you feel old and and spent. But uh, then you review all the fun, awesome things he left behind for us, and it's it's 
not a perfect antidote, but it uh, it can rub a lot of the the hurt off of it. So we wish you well in whatever adventures you're enjoying now, Leonard, and uh, see you on the other side. Yeah, I think so. I mean, actually, you know, funny enough, I had started maybe two weeks ago. I decided to uh, give Fringe a, a shot. Oh, and, Billy! Uh, so that's some of his last work. Yeah, as Doctor William Bell. So that was a fun it, character. Yeah, really good. I mean, I'm I'm halfway through season four now. So I, Fringe is an interesting creature that I can definitely recommend, but it's like possibly two or three different shows. It yeah, goes, I, I I mean, I'll have a I need to complete it because it's it's done its full run, correct? Oh yeah, no, it it ran to completion. Okay. Okay, so I need, so I still need, because I have, you know, probably a full season left, because I think season five was only half a season. Right, but it was uh, it was planned that way. Right. They, so, I mean, but just looking at Netflix and the episodes I have left. Right. Mm. But I would say um, it's, it's a little tough the first season, because it's very much, you're like, I saw this with X-Files. Why am I watching? It was totally the same monster show. of the week. And it took a but by the end of season one, you go, okay, I see the story they're doing. And by the end of season two, it was like, oh, this is getting really good. Yes. And, <laughs> and then, then it, well, and then it really gets good and well, really goes a lot of different directions. It goes but, a completely different direction for the last season and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been kind of crazy. So, but it's, but, but it's, it's but not fun. like a, a rewrite like happened with, um, Battlestar? Uh, not Battlestar. I'm thinking of War of the Worlds. Oh, Do you remember okay. that? Do you remember that series? Yeah. 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 Where yeah, yeah. season one was right. one story and season two, they just leapt ahead into post-apocalyptic yeah. land and everything was different. It wasn't that because the last season and a half is a radically different story Yep, and, and was massively changed. All the seeds and the planning and the roots of that story are seeded throughout the first three seasons. Yeah. So th this was their plan the whole time. So it works so much better when it's not like we're just we're rewriting all the rules to freshen up the program and try and get new viewers. Like, no, we planned to do this the whole time. Yes, it is wildly off the rails and a completely different challenge for the characters, different story. They leap ahead in time and all kind of do all these things that can be the kiss of death for shows. Sure. And this one, it totally works on. Yeah. And yeah. Leonard Nimoy's character, he's there in small doses throughout, mm -hmm. um, but he's uh, tons of fun in that role and the, a good counterpoint to crazy, wacky, um, half-insane doctor. Yeah. Um, yeah. No so, doubt. Totally worth the watch. Yeah. I'll be very interested in, in, in your feelings when you uh, get to the end of that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't started it, but now I'm gonna have to watch it. You have to watch. I mean, I right now, I my, my one of my favorite things is just the fact that they change their opening based on where they're doing the show. Yeah, I love that. You get no. There's all kinds. If you look on on uh, the internet, there's all kinds of hidden messages. Oh, I'm in, sure. In all those intros and in the uh, commercial breaks, there's always uh, some kind of symbol on those, and it spells out a word over the course of the the episode. 
Oh, well, I mean, on Netflix, there is no commercial break, so... Oh, they, they I, cut them out. Oh, they're, they're cutting out an actually a significant part of the program. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen any yeah, of them. Oh, out, yeah, so. no. There would always yep. be a, a still frame when they went to commercial oh, that cool. would have a, a, some strange symbol in it, and, and people worked out what they were and decoded it all. It's oh, really wacky. Interesting. Well, they have a lot of... I mean, I'm starting to pick up more and more. Like, I really want to go to, like, some sites, because I'm sure people have researched this and can tell me all of the Easter eggs and stuff oh, yeah, no, it's, that they put in there, but I don't want to watch read that until i finish right. all no, good plan all good the show plan. but there's because like i'm really starting to pick up now more and more like that's an observer hey there's no uh, like <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of observers happening in the background that you don't that they don't focus on yep keep an eye on those guys yeah you know what i was saying pretty, about the last two seasons yeah keep an eye on those assholes yeah so uh, it's yeah i'm just i'm yeah at it's it's good. So Dax hasn't seen it, so I can't even say where. No, I haven't, show. unfortunately. So. But because I'm slogging my way through freaking Vampire Diaries, yeah. don't don't judge me. Don't judge me, okay? I, I, I will con. judge. I will judge you after the break because we need to take our break. So I've yeah. got uh, <laughs> what? I've got double clicks uh, queued up for you guys. This is okay. Cats and Netflix. Uh, we. Hey, this is Tom Merritt, one half of Cord Killers, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. I'm giving up on certain things like bicycles and gardening and walking to the grocery store. Because the rain has started in my city, and though the greenery is pretty, it's not enough to get me out the door. Tis the season now of gray and brown, of giving up and sitting down and layering and woolly socks. I'm celebrating solitude and eating soup instead of food and never walking more than seven blocks. Cause I've got cats and I've got Netflix. I've got games and I've got snack mix. And I am gonna stay indoors for four or five months or more. Several five blanket nights Forget to buy my Christmas flights And procrastinate Halloween And as a consolation prize For heavy clouds that fill the skies There's pumpkin spice in everything Every morning it gets darker out I'm gonna wear these markers out With all these lists of things I'll never do And when my motivation's gone I'll order snacks from Amazon And try to knit a scarf for you I've got cats, and I've got Netflix, I've got games, and I've got snack mix, and I am gonna stay indoors for four or five months or more.
Hi, this is Brian Ibbett from Coverville, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Casually Hardcore continues live on alphageekradio.com. All right, so we left off bidding a fond farewell to Leonard Nimoy. Yes. And all right, next one on the list here. So there's a nice Ars Technica uh, article that was posted to the subreddit illustrating um, the various challenges that have been encountered bringing Grand Theft Auto V to the PC Master Race. Right. Uh, so Rockstar released it you know, an eternity ago on the various consoles. And this chart is, is kind of laughable and a little depressing, where it just shows, it lists, you know, the first time it was rumored that it was going to be ported. Um, and then the various times after it was officially announced, where the further announcements were how much it was going to be delayed. And for what reasons? And down to the very end, we're getting really close to release, and then, nope, we need another 14 days. Um, and just the continual failure to launch of this title. Yeah. I mean, well, they had like 14 more days, and then it became, we need a couple more months. Right. <laughs> uh, we needed 14 days to sit down and realize just how screwed we were, and then we could come back and say, yeah, um, we'll see it in another quarter or so yeah i mean it's it's interesting because i know grand theft auto 4 when they ported it to the pc which also took forever it came with a lot of bugs and a lot of uh you know performance issues but they also had a huge modding community and a lot of that kind of fixed their stuff right. and introduced a ton of cool things into the game and the the screenshots they've released for the uh eventual PC port for Grand Theft Auto V look amazing. They're gorgeous looking. Uh, so I might, if I have any guess, it would be they're probably running into the, the same type of performance hits, though. Mm -hmm. Like, how do they get it to run as smoothly as it does on the consoles? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the eternal argument between the consoles and PCs, is the consoles are a fixed target. Yeah. They know exactly what you're going to run it on, and they can fine-tune it and sometimes they actually choose to bother to fine-tune it, for the hardware they know it is going to run on, so they know that the experience they have in the testing lab will be identically recreated at home because it's the same damn box. Yeah. PCs, it's a total crapshoot because you have no idea what the end user has assembled by way of their per personal gaming rig. You have competing uh, video card driver standards between the two big players, NVIDIA and ATI, or excuse me, AMD. Um, and within those two houses, many generations of recent card with different capabilities and different driver sets. So I just even as a layman looking at that, I can understand that how that introduces massive complexity when you're trying to make a Swiss Army knife game that will detect and adapt to whatever you're trying to run it on. Never mind that we've got, you know, Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 10 coming soon. Right. Um, and even a not insignificant number of people still trying to limp along on Windows XP. Yeah, um, or Vista. Or, or indeed Vista, yeah. Because, yeah, really, Vista is the low end of the supported operating right. systems. Uh, but really, I mean, if you, if you patch Vista all the way up, it's around the functionality and capabilities and features of Windows 7. 
Sure. Um, and so yeah, you've, you've you've got these three major operating systems on the Windows side to support, and 32-bit and 64-bit incarnations of those operating systems, different video card drivers, different sound, different everything. Just, ah. Uh, so I don't yeah. know if they if they've just set this as a low priority over at Rockstar, where they're not dedicating a lot of resources to it, and that's why it's moving so slowly, or if they just underestimated the challenge. You think they would have, you know, as an experienced developer who's done ports before, they would have an idea of what they were up against. Well, and I mean, I guess you know, some kudos I guess towards them is they did just six months ago re-release it on the newest generation of consoles on the Xbox One and PS4. Remastered and, for them, and they remastered it. They not only remastered the ga- graphics, but they added new like you know ability to go in first-person mode and like they didn't. Ma- it wasn't just a straight port. They actually enhanced it quite a bit. And looking at the graphics and what they're showing on the PC, it looks like they're not just making a straight port even from the current generation of consoles to the PC, they are trying to make it enhanced and and make it something worthwhile so that folks that may own it already on the uh, console would have a reason to at least consider picking it up on the PC. I feel like looking at the um, their struggles in this, it really leads you to respect people who make their games for PCs. Yeah. Well, I think one of the other things is, number one, the first thing when I saw this was, and now you know why Blizzard says when it's done. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when well, it's done. And I hope that is exactly the reason for all the delays, is they want it to be yeah. a meaningful port that actually brings and, and leverages the, the strengths of the PC platform. So it gives you the super higher resolution modes that high-end gaming rigs can pull off. Um, and you know, good keyboard and mouse support, um, as well as the option to plug in uh, a regular controller. Yeah. Um, so if that's the reason for the delays, I am behind them 100%. Well, and I forgot to attach this article to our, our sheet of our, uh, things we were going to cover, but I'd read an article earlier in the week, which was from... Uh, God, it's a guy who works for uh, Gearbox uh, software who does like Borderlands. But uh, prior to that, he was a columnist on Destructoid. And he basically was writing a column that said, here's five things that I didn't know about game making games when I was reviewing them that now make me think I was a complete douche. (laughs) It was basically the gist of the article. And him saying, since he's now worked on games, there's things that he took for granted as a reviewer viewer that now he goes oh like one of the big things was graphics he's like you know you think you just you drop some concept art you put it in the game and then you animate it like that's really easy mm-hmm. he goes that is ridiculously hard to do <laughs> and the amount of time you have to do between taking a concept and then you put it in and you make this detailed gorgeous high res model of it and you realize it looks great and it'll never go into the game because it has that's way too much memory usage and it needs to then get downgraded into something more manageable and then from there you actually have to introduce animations and all this other stuff and it's like this really interesting article to see him going like you know i still think bad games should be called out but i don't need to you know, I don't think you need to be as quite as douchey as I was when I was calling it out. He's like, I called the makers of Assassin's Creed idiots. He goes, I can't believe I actually said that now, <laughs> having worked at it. Is that and Anthony Birch that wrote that? Yeah, Anthony Birch. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a good guy. 
Yeah, it was a really good article and really uh, 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 telling of of what all really goes into making these games and why, you know, from looking from the outside, you go, oh, this is such a simple thing. Why wouldn't you do that? There can be a lot of reasons why that wouldn't happen. I think that maybe if there was just a little more honesty about it, too, I think people would understand a little better. You know, we would love to do this. However... There is no way without this. You yeah, know? there's definitely developers that do a good job of mm-hmm. communicating the hows and whys, and then there's ones that do a terrible job of that. And you know, that's something I think that should be called out because it's something every developer has control over. How much do we share with our yes. consumer? You are you and are I, correct that EA should be called out on that. Uh, <laughs> actually, well, I've been like crazy into Destiny lately, mm-hmm. and. Bungie is horrible really? when it comes to dealing. They've this week is the first week they actually had some communications that were decent, and they actually patched some stuff that was long-standing needed to be patched. But then they kind of shot themselves in the foot again by having this like we're going to have some of our PvP and our world builders come onto our forums and kind of like an ask me anything oh dear. type format, and their answers were like so generic or they were just trying to make jokes like they didn't answer any questions it was the most frustrating Oof. thing and you have these forums that granted have some uh, obviously jerks and stuff on it but you had a lot of people just going like what the hell is this i'm asking you specifically like why did you nerf auto rifles and you're like cuz <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Why did you even bother having this? Don't even answer. Yeah, that it point. was just like people are t- or like they were like, "What's good at like you know?" I do the raid and like my sword to kill the main boss of the- vanishes on me. Like, when is this bug gonna get fixed? Well, sorry, we don't do. Uh, you know, I don't have. You know, basically, I'm not responsible for that area, so I can't answer your question. Yeah, like that type of stuff. Like you just couldn't believe it. And their their <laughs> weekly updates, like you have people clamoring for certain things, like over and over. That again, maybe there's difficulties behind the scene because like people have banks in the game, and they would love to have more vault space because your stupid bank is. It's a great idea. It's shared between your three characters. It's too but small. When you have three characters. You have a very limited amount of space then, and you know people are like why can't i have more vault space give us more vault space make my ship give me more vault space do something with vault space and the one time they've acknowledged it is when the guy did the weekly update then posted to the forum saying by the way we know about vault space we understand we hear you in the forums like why would that be in your weekly post right it's the thing that everybody is talking about it's like number one right now uh, maybe aside from raid bugs as William one of the biggest challenges in the game and you bury it in a form post it's just it's disturbing and you know on the flip side you look at companies that I think do a great job and we have an article later on uh, for Riot Games mm-hmm. and League of Legends their their patch notes are the best patch notes I've ever read. They give you a very short, crisp, here's the change we're making, and then they give you a long, here's the thought process behind why we made this change to the character. And here's what we're doing. And, you know, in some cases they'll say, you know, I, we understand this character is in a bad spot. We're still thinking about what we're going to do. They at least acknowledge there's an issue. Right. And, and tell you this is something we're working on. Or we know this character is way overpowered. This is a a slight nerf 
We're looking at other ways to, to address it, though. See, and I feel like fans of whatever game it happens to be, they give you more leeway to deal with those bugs. They're like, okay, I, I'm going to play it, even though I'm going to have this bug happen over and over again, because I understand yeah. you're working on it, mm -hmm. or you know the bug's there, and you have at least let us know that there hasn't been a fix yet because you're having problems. Right. Your fans give you a little more leeway, but, you know, you start taking off the fans because you're not even acknowledging there's issues, people are going to stop playing your game, yeah, which yeah. is not what you want. Because they don't think you care. They, you, right. they, they, you adopt the attitude, well, they got my money, and that's all they care about. Yeah. Pretty much. And I think, you know, like Blizzard, we saw at the BlizzCons we've gone to, and I'm sure they've kept this tradition where they've had, uh, what was that, Ghost, Ghost Crawler? Or Ghost? Uh, well, Greg Street uh, left the company, but he, yeah, he would, Ghost Crawler would, would, would routinely... Uh, yeah, all, all like, let's talk about class balance. Right. And there was the open forum of like, talk to us and, you know, maybe they couldn't say they'd make a change, but at least they could say, here's our reasoning behind what we're doing. Yep. And I think, you know, in general, that's the main thing people look for. It's like, maybe you're not going to agree with the feedback you're getting, but give me a reason then as to right. why you're, you're not agreeing with at it. At least not let just me know you've ignore. heard me. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's the big thing. Yep. Let us know you've been heard. Uh, speaking of the people being heard... In a fit of unexpected uh, reasonableness, the FCC moved ahead with reclassifying internet service providers in the United States as Title II utilities. So many of the same rules, it, it is a modified version of that, but it is basically same kinds of rules that rule over the telephone company will be largely applied to uh, internet service providers when these go into effect, which will probably be after lengthy court battles and a lot of uh, haranguing and attempts to pass legislation in Congress. Yeah. But at least it's moving forward. Yep. So net neutrality rules that basically say, no, you may not charge a premium to not slow down a certain company's packets while deliberately slowing down everyone else's who's not paying you. You may not do that. Trying, trying to enforce the, allow the internet to work as designed, where it's a level playing field and you pay for your, your pipe to connect to the internet. And then once you're out there, your data gets there at the same, you know, under the same conditions as everyone else's. Um, so good on you, Tim Cook. You surprised us all. Uh, kind of shaking off your, your, Roots as uh, an insider in the uh, cable TV industry. And, of course, you know, immediately the Comcast and Time Warner's in the world saying, well, we're announcing and putting out press releases saying, well, I guess we'll see you in court. We're going to sue to uh, sue to be able to slow the Internet is, is the headline. You know, Comcast sues for the right to slow the, to slow the web was the, yeah. the headline that I saw. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's true, and it wasn't like it was uh, unanimous. It was a three to two vote. Yep. So it was, yeah, it was right along pretty much Definitely. party lines. And yeah. the reading the statements given by the the various commissioners was kind of interesting because uh, there was there was some venom and vitriol in some of those uh, uh, assenting opinions. Oh yeah! Wow, because the the Supreme Court has mastered the art of the the polite disagreement in the polite fu right when they when the the minority um justices you know write their dissenting yeah. opinion um masterworks of passive aggressive um dissent this was just in your face 
vile, this is wrong, you're sabotaging the internet, you know, you're, you're destroying commerce in this country going forward, how could you, how could you? It was like, wow, damn. Yeah. Um, but the moral of the story is that this has at least moved past this phase and we can get on the business of watching our bought and paid for lawmakers attempt to write legislation that will strip the FCC of its uh, authority to do things like this and bills are already in the works to do exactly that. Sure. Um, the president has, of course, vowed to veto anything that crosses his desk. Yeah, but he's, I mean, you know, he's, he's time out, is limited. Yeah. He's out in the 2016. You're away. So, yeah. so we'll see how that pans out in the long term. So they'll have their day in court. This is, if you look at the Communications Act of 1996, I want to say, this is the life cycle it went through. It was put into place. And then some significant... Uh, Portions of it were ruled against in the court system, so you know bits and pieces of it remain, but it is not intact. Um, so, but at least we, it's at least it's there's movement, and we're not in the comment period anymore. We're not in the wringing of hands and, and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's done, and now we move on to the next step. Yeah. Well, and I think what was it? Um, Cis the Cisco CEO, his comment was. Well, you know, if we're not going to make any money, we're not going to want to put broadband everywhere. And broadband is necessary now because it's part of um, how you communicate and how the world operates at this point. Yes, but Mr. Cisco CEO, the wonderful thing about capitalism is if you decide not to do that, someone else somebody will. else will, and they yeah. will eat your breakfast. Absolutely, and that's and the funny thing is, in the second article that we put posted on there. I mean, his big thing is, you know, well, we would love to put broadband on here. Broadband is necessary. Everyone should have broadband. But if someone else tries to do it, oh, no, no, no. Well, right. that was the big other ruling that came out of the FCC is they struck down many states' uh, laws that were lobbied for, written by the teleco, the, the telcos and the cable companies, basically forbidding municipalities from implementing at all or expanding existing um, city-run internet service providers. Um, and large chunks of those, I've just been told, sorry, you can't tell a city that they're not allowed to invest in their citizenry. Yeah. Exactly. So the one that was, the, one of the primary ones was a, was a city that had put in a gigabit fiber network years before Google Fiber was a thing. And the lobbyists got in there and got the local state governments to write rules saying, you can't expand this any further. Um, you know, nothing anti-competitive about that. Right. Um, but the, the, their, their legal wrangling was, uh, you, uh, municipalities should not be engaging in competition. Um, you know, it shouldn't be the place of government to do this. We should let capitalism and the system we've already finished rigging take care of competition. Right. Um, and the FCC basically came down on the side of, no, if, if the citizenry vote the funding and say that this is what they want done with their tax dollars, you have no right to stop them. All you can do is do it better than the municipality does so that people choose to buy your service instead. Absolutely, that's, that's competition. capitalism. <laughs> um, so I was also very, very happy to see that ruling come down because there, there's some fantastic examples of city-run um, metro area networks that 
were not permitted to grow any further. Um, but there's some textbook cases of the people taking care of themselves and, and to hell with the telco that couldn't get their act together and, and get us internet. Now I've got gigabit and I'm paying a reasonable price to it to my local government and we made this happen ourselves. And what exactly is wrong with that? Nothing. Yeah. So let's see more, more like that, please. Absolutely. All right, moving down. Um, so we had talked previously on the show about Neil Blomkamp uh, revealing via Twitter that he's back on the next Alien movie in the franchise. And they've since released information that I was very happy to see. And no I, call, I call this the Superman Returns model, where when they did Superman Returns, um, they took the end of Superman 2 and said, okay, this is where the existing movie franchise ended as far as we are concerned. And those really sucky three, four, five, six, they never happened. And we're going to continue the story from the end of Superman 2. Right. That's exactly what they're planning on doing with this next Alien movie. They're going to leap forward from the end of Aliens and Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection never happened. So good as far as i'm concerned <laughs> yeah i mean he's yeah basically saying we're not dealing with either of those movies and in the article it goes on to point out that you could technically leave alien 4 because that actually takes place a oh, hundred years in the future right. so but, um, it, but the plot point relies heavily on the events of alien 3 so it does so yeah i mean i'm fine with him just ignoring both of them i i have no <laughs> issue and the entire aliens vs predator series i'm cool with it all uh but the main one was alien 3 like, don't mess with that one, mm -hmm. like, at all, and try to figure out a way to incorporate it. The benefit to this is uh, Sigourney Weaver is on board to reprise her role as Ripley. Awesome. Right. Um, She's so great. So we'll see. And it's interesting to see, to, to read why she got on board for Alien Resurrection. Um, uh, number one, at the stage that she was recruited, they had the unedited unaltered unscrewed with joss whedon script and it read right. read very differently from what was finally produced um but she you know there was a particular scene in alien resurrection that she read that she was struck by that she wanted to take take the character to um so again it was the writing that then changed out from under her that got her on board yeah um, alien 3 was contractual obligation so <laughs> yeah, uh, and that one had a nightmare of like five or six different directors, yeah. and yeah. Just... I mean, well, you read. I mean, you do you remember the teaser trailer for? Oh yeah, it was Earth Hive. Yeah, it was going to be Earth Hive. It was an egg opening over Earth, and they had the tagline. You know, in 1976, you learned nobody can hear you scream when you scream in space. Right. In 1990, whatever, you will learn everyone can hear you scream when you scream on Earth. You know, yeah. Yeah, and then we got awesome. delivered. We got delivered then, something completely unrelated. To yeah, like we went to a Cornish prison. <laughs> this is what is going on here. <laughs> uh, the only thing that, that I that I really loved about Alien Three was the creature effects. I think yeah. they, they really did a good job on. They took the one concept from the original sequel that was going to be that they were going to reveal is that. The aliens, the xenomorphs, take on the aspects of the creature that they are birthed from. Right. And the only reason we'd only ever seen humanoid uh, aliens was because 
it was always humans that were getting hit by the face hugger. Yeah. And it was going to be, they come to earth and you get all these, and there, there were lines of toys that actually made it to market based on that idea. Right. Um, that were put into commission before the script was changed and made it all the way to market. And they're kind of rare finds now. You had, you know, the, the bull alien and the scorpion alien and, and basically ones that had taken on um, aspects of the creature that they came from. How so, the hell could a facehugger get on a scorpion? That one was a bit of a reach. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> like, little, little, little tiny straw. Okay. And it's all like, yeah. <laughs> I found like some Clash of the Titan scorpions exactly. or something to latch on to. Toy manufacturers are not known for their adherence to script and right. restraint. So the designers heard. Aliens based on Earth creatures, and they ran with it. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Scorpions are awesome. Scorpions are awesome. Let's go. Ginormous scorpions. Yeah. Exactly. But anyway. Don't worry about how they turn oh into alien scorpions. They kept that one idea, so the alien we saw in Alien 3 was based on a canine, so it was very much running on all fours, was all about the speed, Yeah, and was one of the last um, ones that were the, before they switched to total CGI. Right. So they had, you know, they're still using models and uh, you know, variations of high-speed photography. And if, you know, as long, if I ignore the rest of the damn movie, the scenes, the, the chase scenes with the creature were beautifully well done in that. Yeah. That's, that's the only good thing I have to say about that film. Um, so yeah. I'm really curious to see what Neil comes up with. Um, he's routinely impressed me with his output, even Elysium with, with all of its flaws. And in this same last week, he was on Twitter, he was on do, in, during an interview saying, I wish I could go back and do Elysium right. I effed it up. Hmm. Um, oh, wow. Um, that that, that he, doesn't happen often. Interesting. Yeah, no, he was saying basically, I, I, got, I got caught up in story elements that the audience turned out not to care about. And I, I ignored uh. pieces that were the important ones. I was, I was showing my inexperience as a storyteller. And I would you know this that this is one I will regret will regret not being able to go back and do what I now know to be what would have been the right way. Uh, it's like wow, that's uncommon humility in public from from a director. No kidding. Um, and at least it wasn't terrible. It was just really in. It was really blatant and obvious. Allegory, allegory, metaphor, metaphor. Yeah. Uh, mm. you know, the people, the rich people in the ring above the earth with machines that can for free instantly cure any disease and they just refuse to let it anyone else get in this machine because unspecified reasons because well because yeah. duh yeah um yeah and i just so yeah i understand was, i understand I, mean, I, I never i never actually saw elise me neither didn't but appeal to me that was a, there wasn't anything bad in the preview it just there was nothing new in the preview either it's like okay i've seen this story before if you encounter it on streaming yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's worth a watch. Okay. okay. Um, if only for the technology designs, um, and there's a through line between some of the android-based police units that were in Elysium and what he appears to be doing in Chappie, which is his movie that's about, ah. come out about AI developing yeah. sentience. Um, the design of the police robot that they build in Chappie is very reminiscent of some of the designs he had for the enforcer units that the people up in the ring had wandering around Earth beating people up and being dicks. Gotcha. Um, and they were really cool and really well done effects of, wow, that's what a full bodysuit um, telepresence robot might actually be like, where you're sitting you know, in a room miles away and you're controlling this thing through either... Uh, a VR interface or a neural interface and it's like that really cool. 
Um, and, and the technology, you know, there was, there was nothing other than these super duper uh, heals anything instantly magic boxes. That's about the most extreme technology they had. Everything else was, you know, just an extension of where stuff we have now might lead in the not too. But Stargate had that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that was ancient, supposedly ancient. But Elysium technology. has Matt Damon. Oh well, <laughs> I'm just Matt. saying. Yeah, and, and but Stargate and has MacGyver. That's true. <laughs> Damn, Skippy, it's getting rebooted anyway. So do you just wait? <laughs> Uh, so we, we have high hopes that you're going to deliver us awesomeness, uh, from, from aliens onward. Right. Um, look at, we touched on a little earlier. I was watching this one and it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around it. Um, so League of Legends has a huge streaming community. Um, a big part of its popularity is it lends itself really well to spectators, yeah. Uh, it's a high action game that's reasonably easy to follow the action. There's a lot of really good commentators who will stream uh, live games. And some people will just throw their stream up on uh, Twitch and just for the hell of it. Sure. Um, to the point where high profile, really skilled esports um, athletes are starting to sign agreements saying, you know, I will let this company that is sponsoring me be the sole streamer of, right. my, of my content. What we ran into this week is, well, due to the nature of Riot's design and the way when you put a Flash streaming video out on the internet, it's trivially easy to grab that stream and rebroadcast it. We had a high-profile Korean player uh, who was by the moniker of Faker who was streaming through his... Uh, the company he had an agreement with, which was Azubu. And we had a third party, another guy, who would go into his games in spectator mode and set it to follow Faker around the map. And then he would stream spectator mode rather than um, Faker's own feed from his point of view, um, would stream it out to Twitch via spectator mode with a reasonable delay on it, which led to Azubu attempting to send him a Digital Millennium Copyright Act takedown notice. And this is where things got interesting, confusing, but interesting when looking at what it is very easy to do in these online games that have spectator mode and are wide open to the internet by design to encourage people to stream. So Zubu comes to this guy and says, hey, we have an agreement with Faker saying that only we may stream his stuff. DMCA, takedown stop it and the guy looked at it and said well i don't care what agreements you have with faker it's riot games that owns this content azubu you have no legal standing to tell me to stop streaming this it's not yours to call the shots on so you based your agreement on with faker on shaky ground because it's unenforceable you can't stop us from spectating his games, and you can't tell us not to restream that spectator view because you're not Riot. So the guy said, I'm going to defy this takedown notice and continue streaming. And we had several days of discussion where Riot began to weigh in on it um, and came to some interesting and thankfully very public conclusions about how they, as the actual owners, of the content feel about this situation. 
because they 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 were very much of two minds of this of yes this you know we do control this content um, and if we don't defend our control of it you know that undermines us legally at the same time we don't want to damage our athletes ability to sign agreements and make a living off of their performance so this is a hard one and they they were very public in the discussions of this is a difficult one for us to rule in because we've had these these competing um priorities of free and open streaming of our content which only improves our popularity and only helps our esports um athletes and undermining the ability of our athletes to sign exclusivity contracts that make them their living um so they came out with a statement first of all saying up front azubu tried to use the dmca we agree they had no right to do that if anyone's going to issue a dmca takedown it's us so going forward when there's a challenge or something that needs to be done we will be doing the talking and we've we've you know sent legal missives over to azubu saying stop trying to claim our ip it's not yours um digging down they where did, where did their statement go dang it i had it right here <laughs> okay here we go so one the the dnca issued by azubu did not have a legal standing as we not azubu own the gameplay content two Faker, the player, believes, and we agree, that this stream is harmful to him and to his brand. We will be honoring Faker's request, and we will pursue a takedown of the stream. So, on one hand, they said, yes, you may freely ignore DMCA takedowns from people, not us, relating to League of Legends content. But take your shit down. But, yeah. in this case, we are going to issue a legit DMCA takedown notice because we want to protect Faker's ability to make a living. Absolutely. And I think that's that's one of the things Riot does really well. I mean, they are on the leading edge when it comes to esports. There's colleges that are actually offering scholarships based on how highly you're ranked in League of Legends. Yeah. So just because of esports. And, you know, I think this is, I personally think that's great. I think they should allow their eSport, um, I, I don't even know what to call them. Athletes. <laughs> athletes, yeah. yeah they're eSport athletes, they're pros to make a little bit of money because, hey, that's how what you are as an athlete. I mean, how else are they going to make money other well, than winning? Um, and, yeah, I agree with their decision. Well, yeah, personally. yeah. I mean, but it puts them in that weird place. Where, and they, they even go on to say that the initial reaction from Riot was very anti this person who was doing the streaming because they were coming to the defense of one of their players right. and that was their initial take and now they've stepped back they went okay this is a much broader question though mm -hmm. of who owns the rights to this right. and how can we provide a game that we allow anybody to spectate anything they want and yet also allow our players to be able to gather sponsorships and promote their brand mm -hmm. by signing deals with companies that would do their official streams and it, it's a, and you know are all streams bad there's even an example in there of one person who does streams of lowly rank low rank players but they take out all the player names and it's just random low rank players just to watch you know low rank, low -rank players, players goof off and right. do like the things that are goofy and they say this one has no malicious intent they're not specifically targeting a player you can't tell who the people are but 
you know, and so and to them, this shouldn't be covered under the same rules or whatever they decide to come up with in regards to a situation where you take Faker, who is probably top five, if not three in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's that good. Like, he's un- unbelievably good. And you're taking, you know, your one like your Michael Jordan, yes. and basically, uh, you don't want to cut into his ability to promote him his own brand. You know, brand. Well, I had a weird experience with this because I, I know Jack about League of Legends. I, I, I know Jack about MOBAs, really. Yeah. Um, but because of this brouhaha showing up on Reddit and other places, I actually linked through and started watching a live stream of Faker. Now he's playing the Korean version of League of Legends. So all yeah. the text is in, the pop-up text is in Korean. I don't know anything about the game. And suddenly half an hour was gone. Yeah. Because something about it was compelling and interesting, even though I didn't have the vaguest idea what was going on. And yet I was still entertained by it so much and got so engrossed by it that I, I lost time. So that gave me some insight into this because I've, I've, I've kind of always wondered you know, what is the big deal about these streaming of games you know, watch other people play my old man brains you know really doesn't wrap around that well i think i get it a little bit more because of this if i can be compelled to watch something that is in a foreign language in a game i don't know the rules to and still be entertained okay there's some powerful entertainment potential there yeah um, so it, it was a, it was an education for me, but it was very interesting to see just the concepts being discussed that, you know, these constructs and these ideas of live streaming and spectating you know, didn't exist a few years ago. And now they're of and the game designers, you know, are caught in this trap now of great. We designed this game to be really easy to spectate and maybe we shouldn't have. So they may want to go back and reverse engineering where a player can set a flag saying, no spectators or no restreaming or you know just flag flag a a stream as i have an agreement don't let people tap into this yeah um, so we'll see what what kind of interesting designs come in the future as a result of this uh interesting to watch the slow motion train wreck uh brouhaha this week yeah i mean it's good and i, I think uh I think it brought up a lot of interesting questions, but again, in you know, kind of getting back to what I was saying before about what my experience has been just reading what Bungie's doing, you look at this where they've seen there's a problem. It's a complex problem for their business to deal with. They reacted not the best initially to it and have already come back just days later and not only said we were wrong in that, but gave a really lengthy article on the front page of their website saying here's a big situation that we're dealing with Mm -hmm. and here's all the different pieces to it and here's some things we know and otherwise we're still working on it feel free to give us your comments so being honest transparent and logical yeah hey what a concept that yeah so So good on you riot yeah makes it an easy company to like when they do that type of stuff absolutely and finally this week the mobile platform is infecting uh, the consoles. The next Fable game is going to the free-to-play model on PC and Xbox One. I'm not sure how I feel about this, because you know there's going to be 1,000 million microtransactions in this thing. I don't 
know. I mean, you know, they mentioned, you know, Killer Instinct on the Xbox One has done really well. It's a free-to-play uh, Street Fighter, you know, one-on-one fighting game. And they have, it's kind of more in the League of Legends uh, format where you have a certain number of champions that are free. And then if you want other champions, you would pay to unlock them and, and kind of pick and choose a la carte what you want to do. But the gameplay itself is supposed to be very good. And we've seen other game Warframe got translated to the Xbox One as well as the PS4 and as a free-to-play model. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you have Fable Legends. My question on Fable Legends is the fact that, number one... Peter Molyneux is not involved at all. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, number two, I believe this one is more Gauntlet-esque in the Fable universe. I don't know if it's the true Fable not like, a full, experience. Not a full Fable game. Which the Fable experience is quite the unique experience. Yeah. I love the Fable experience. Yeah, so it's, it, I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting to, yeah, <laughs> to check out, <laughs> but I don't know if it would sate you know, my desire for like Fable 4. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whether or not it lived up to all the promises, it still was was a game that you can't find anywhere else, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah. Um, and actually, that I would probably be more likely to buy a console if more games were like this. Because I, I, what I shy away from is dropping the 60 bucks on the title after I've got the console. Yeah. And being able to, you know, effectively try before you buy is kind of appealing to my stingy self. Well, and I mean, consoles are doing a better job. Microsoft and PlayStation, both are, and Sony, both are doing a lot more store sales on their online stores. And they're starting to move more and more to where retailers and such will put sales on games that are on consoles that are rivaling sale prices on uh, PC. Hmm. It's an interesting time to be a nerd. Okay, we're we're over time slightly, so let's do some rapid fire. I've snuck some people onto the call. True, what's up? Well, I was you were talking about Fable Legends, and uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Extra Chris was doing has been doing a whole series on that, and basically it's Dungeon Land. If you have seen that game out on Steam for a while, uh, is what this whole thing is. It's basically Dungeon Land stuffed with fab- with a Fable skin on it. So, so it's not really a true Fable game. It's it's Fable Light. Well, yeah, it's basically one person. One person's the bad guy controlling all the monsters, and then the, it's a group of heroes going through the 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 uh, map, killing them. Ah, okay. it's, it's an it's an async it's an asynchronous versus game. Mm, okay. That's not Fable. Nope. nope. So it may it may be good at being that game, but I think they they sh- maybe shouldn't have applied the Fable name to it because there's certain expectations about living your character's life and making your choices to lead to your purpose particular character outcome that will be absent in that kind of gameplay yep and uh, it's basically going to be rts versus like uh, rts on one side which we all know have, we've seen how console and rts go together like uh soap and oil so yeah uh, yeah not not the not the best translation this is the wrong controller scheme basically pretty much yeah and also snuck on the call the barry von awesome you have 30 seconds to tell us why we're wrong what's up barry <clears throat> I'm mad at Grail, but I blame Fox. <laughs> I've been saying on this podcast for years, when Fringe was still on the air, it was a good show and you guys should check it out. And it took you this long to finally listen to me. I haven't even watched it yet, Barry. <laughs> I know. I blame Fox. Everyone just gave them the benefit of the doubt. You know, assume that they're going to be like, they're going to ruin it. It's going to suck. Don't, you know, you have to like 
wait until it's out on DVD and they made five seasons. But I was endorsing that show when it was on the air, and you guys didn't listen. Uh, don't you? I watched uh, it da, 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 based da. on your re- recommendation. It just took me five years to get around to it. <laughs> and Barry, I <laughs> will remind you. There's a lot of stuff that we have on in lists and lists and lists of books and music and videos and movies that we need to watch. So, yeah, it takes us a while to get around to it. And Barry, I will remind you, I did watch that as it was happening live on my DVR. That's true. So I, I did support it as it was, and, and it was it was hard to stay tuned in sometimes. This, you know, first season and a half were growing pains, but man, when they hit their stride, I was like, "When is the next episode? I must get my fix." Let me tell you what's really hard to stay tuned into: Vampire Diaries. Why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> because I really want to watch the originals, and I was told by almost everybody at that supernatural convention that I have to suffer through Vampire Diaries so I can get the background. But truthfully. I got the background, I think. Yeah, yeah. so stop hurting yourself. <laughs> it is, That's it a is. save yourself. At least they're pretty. I can explain to you the entire formula for that show, but maybe not on the air. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's, let's wrap up the episode, then you guys can call each other and, and have at it, because I don't want to hear it. All right, you can find us on the web. Uh, go to tunein.alphageekradio.com to find all the different ways you can watch and listen. There's a brand new super sexy multiplayer available at uh, alphageekvideo.com. You can do whatever combo of video or audio stream and whatever chat uh, service you want to use all on one convenient page. Works on tablets, phones, regular desktops, all that fun stuff. Check it out. Just went live today. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Just do a search for Casually Hardcore for the show or Alpha Geek Radio for the network. On the Twitter, we are there as Alpha Geek Radio for the network and Hardcore Casuals for the show. I am on there as Gnomewise. Grail is on there as Izzy Grail, I-Z-Z-Y-G-R-A-I-L. Daxa is Daxa C-H. That's D-A-K-S-A, not D-A-X-A. Uh, and let's see, Barry Von Awesome, right? Yep. For yep. Barry. And you can send us emails to the show at alphageekradio.com. That's the show at alphageekradio.com. Please join the subreddit, alphageekradio.reddit.com. Send us story suggestions, links, things that you've discovered out on the nerdy web during the week that you want us to talk about here in the show. Upvote the stuff you like, downvote the stuff you don't, and submit links to your heart's content. If you're interested in supporting the network, we are interested in having your support. Come to patreon.com slash alphageek to learn how you can... Throw us a buck once a month and help us keep things streaming, keep the network on the air, keep the shows coming. On your mobile devices, you can listen on the TuneIn.com app. You can listen on your potato. It's it's on everything. Uh, if you Don't listen on the potato. The quality is not that good. Well, potato quality, you know. But <laughs> We get reception in Ireland? Ah, I see what you did there. You're so racist. Anyway. <laughs> We'll be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I have been Gnomewise. I have been Dexter. And I've been Grail. And I was waiting. There's true, yeah, and I've been buried. <laughs> and yeah, before me, it was his turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are out of here. Bye-bye, radio people. Bomba-dee-da, 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 b